Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And today we're going to talk about John chapter 4. We're going to do a deep dive on that one. And our guest is Vince Miller. And Vince uh, can be discovered at beresolute.org. He's a speaker and author and all around really good guy. Hey, Vince. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. Awesome. When did you get the glasses? Uh, I I look down and I look up and you got glasses on. (laughs) What happened? Well, uh, I got older and uh, things got smaller. And you need to read, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Are those uh, like prescription you went to the doctor or did you just get those at the... These these are those magnifying things. Okay. You look blurry to me right now, but I I can see the words on the page. (laughs) Good, good. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today for the Words of Jesus, this uh, red word series on just words Jesus has spoken has been uh, really an informative transformational time of studying God's word. So thank you for that. You bet. Yeah, let's dig in. John chapter four, I'm available to read or do whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read a little bit. Please do. Please do. So, you know, the the dialogue of uh, the Gospel of John is this this journey through uh, Jesus' life, and John the Apostle is trying to describe who this Jesus is, and Jesus has these encounters where he, he's trying to describe heaven to people, right? So this is a unique one. I like this one. It's kind of a long journey. I think we maybe can get through the whole thing, but it's a story of this interaction with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So it begins in verse 1. It says, Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee and had to go through a particular region. It was Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. So the scene is kind of painted here where, you know, Jesus is on a journey and he feels this need to go through Samaria, which obviously was a, a region that Jews didn't travel, mm-hmm. right? And typically devout Jews would travel around it. We kind of know that there was a lot of tension, religious tension between Jews and Samaritans, as we know from familiar stories like the Good Samaritan, right? And so, you know, Jesus is traveling through this region with his disciples, comes to a stop at a particular city, which I think is kind of interesting. It's uh, old Shechem, where Abraham resided when he came into the land of Canaan. That's where he made his home. It's also the place where Jacob bought a piece of land and planted a well there. We don't read read about that in the Old Testament, but we assume that Jacob, when he did make this his home, dug a well. And obviously, this is a holy area to these Samaritans. It's a place where they would come to draw water. Well, Jesus has stopped there. And what's funny about the location is actually the name of the town. It was formerly called Shechem, but now it's called Sikar, which means drunken, because Sikar was a place of drunkenness. So it's kind of this slang nickname as if Jesus had stopped at the local bar, kind of mm-hmm. this local bar town, you know, full of, uh, you know, 
drunken people, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And we're going to just find out how sinful this town was by the interaction that happens next. So Jesus is sitting there at noon, which is the sixth hour, and this woman approaches. And I love in verse 6, it says, uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey... I go, I really like that they're letting us know that Jesus was tired and it was only noon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. It, it kind of, you know, John from the very beginning of the book is it, is explaining that the Logos, the word has come down mm-hmm. and made himself a dwelling among us, right? But now we get to see his flesh. He is, he's tired, yeah. you know, which is kind of cool because- It's very cool. I connect with that right now. I I'm do tired. Too. I do too. <laughs> and he's exhausted. He's probably hot. He's wearied. He wants a drink. But here's the funny thing. He ain't got nothing to, you know. There's no dipping dip. cup. Yeah, he ain't got nothing to reach down into <laughs> the well. So his boys leave him. He's exhausted. His boys leave him. They go to town to get some food so they can have some sustenance, maybe regain their energy. And then now on the scene comes this woman. Yeah. And that's where the story really begins. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus says to her, give me a drink for his disciples had essentially gone into the city uh, to uh, buy some food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And so I, I find that moment kind of, kind of interesting because not only has Jesus walked into a, a land in a city where most Jews didn't go, he now is, interacting with people and, and doing something quite surprising. If his disciples were there, they're going to be shocked by it later. You'll see later on. But, you know, he just has, he has this interaction and he starts interacting and obliterating these traditions and customs that man had added on or religious, devout religious people kind of added on to the religion to mm-hmm. kind of prevent unholiness. It, Jesus just steps right into it. So he does what the woman doesn't expect. She obliterates uh, religious lines and racial lines and gender lines, which I think is quite interesting here as Jesus steps over all those boundaries and uh, he interacts with the woman. And she says, Jews have no dealings with Samaritan. Jesus answered him, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And I, I really love this moment because Jesus uh, takes a moment to interact with this woman. She's kind of surprised by it. Uh, she, in the shock of it, is taken back. Jesus then makes a proposition to her, had you known who this is, you would have asked me for water. It wouldn't be me asking you for water. So instead of you know, he kind of reverses the situation on her a little bit and causes her to see everything all differently. And she's somewhat confused by it and she doesn't get it. And we know that she doesn't get it because Jesus is going to continue here, which I think is interesting. He says, next it says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. So she notices what she already knows. that This guy ain't got no tools to (laughs) put down in the water to bring up the well because she only sees what is natural. And Jesus is trying to get her to see what is spiritual, right? He's trying to cause her to see that. And then she says, 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us his well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. So all she can see is religion, natural things, gender. She sees natural tools. She clearly sees history and, you know, the the archaeology of the moment, but she can't, she doesn't really understand what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus is going to explain it to her. He says, he said to her, everyone who drinks this water, and I would assume he would appoint at the water at this moment, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And I think it's kind of laughable because Jesus has tried now again to explain the whole situation to her. And she still can't see past the natural, which for me is just so human of us, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's that we, we really get stuck in the natural sometimes. We can only see natural things. We only see race. We only see religion. We only see archaeology. We only see water. And Jesus is pleading with her to see something with spiritual sight. And I think that this moment right here is so indicative of what we see happening in our everyday life that I think everything that is natural in this life is pointing us to things that are supernatural, everything, because everything that is natural in this life does not satisfy, and it points us to dissatisfaction so that we'll seek satisfaction, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. Jesus understands that he's thirsty, naturally, but when he interacts with this woman, he can see that she is thirsty in a different way, not a natural thirst. Everybody knows that they're thirsty. It's hot. It's noon. Mm -hmm. They're tired. They both want water. She's got tools. He doesn't. But he's trying to give her something different, this living water, a water that provides life, and she can't comprehend it, right? And I think that we struggle with this all the time in life where we we're not paying attention to how the natural signs of all creation are groaning to explain to us that we long for supernatural answers. And Jesus is the one that provides it. In fact, he is the one that provides it. Mm-hmm. He is the water. He is the gift. He's present in that moment. He is what she needs, but she can't see it because all she th- sees are things that are natural. And I think we do this all the time. In fact, this is a great moment of evangelism. Really, actually, it's a great explanation of how to do evangelism. It's actually to see someone's natural needs and then connect it to these spiritual, real needs that they have and direct them to it. The problem is they don't always see it the very first time, right? So I think this is a really beautiful kind of beginning to a dialogue Jesus is having with us as humans. Yeah, Vince Miller is my guest. Vince, I I see a trifecta of issues, even through verse 10 here, where the Samaritan woman, and to give her some credit, is probably confused that a Jew was talking to her um, because she was a Samaritan, strike one, and she was a woman, strike two, and Jesus was asking her for her to use her cup, strike three, Mm -hmm. because that would have made him unclean. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's all kinds of other issues. There, actually, I know that we're going to find. We're going to get to that. Right. But I mean, yeah, here we are, and there's already a lot of go- a lot going on in this. Yeah, and that and that's kind of I think the beauty of who Jesus is is he's he's able to maintain his character and integrity, and yet push the boundaries of what we believe are lines drawn by religion, by race, 
by nature, he can step through them with a level of comfort, knowing that there's a goal on the other side, and he can maintain his integrity in the process. You know, I think sometimes people misunderstand this, yet we do want to do whatever we can to save some, but we don't want to be, be disobedient to Christ in the process or be disobedient to the law in the process or Scripture in the process. Jesus never does that. He upholds the law in all of its nature and all of its truth in the most loving way and loves this woman, reaches past the boundaries. And I love that he does it while no one is there. Like his disciples are gone. Cause I just kind of wonder if they would have messed up the whole thing, you know, they would have sure <laughs> screwed up this whole conversation, you know, because of the shock and awe, but, and we kind of miss some of these, you know, these obstacles, right? Because mm-hmm. we're so distant from this, but we have to remember that Samaritans and Jews had this tension that went on hundreds of years. I mean, this is hundreds of years of harbored uh, pain and regret and animosity oh, and anger that these two groups of this people had. Yeah, no, this yeah. is really, really thick. Yeah. And Jesus like steps into the mess and goes, I'm going to talk to this Samaritan. And you know, we, we know he intentionally probably walked through Samaria to talk to this woman and to save that city, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I mean, isn't that cool? It's you very know? cool. Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We are talking about the words of Jesus. We're in John chapter 4. So make sure you have your Bibles out. Grab a pen, take some notes. Our guest is Vince Miller. And Vince uh, can be discovered at beresolute.org. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome back to the show. We're in John chapter 4. Our guest is Vince Miller. And Vince uh, can be discovered at beresolute.org. Vince Miller, what's your middle name, Vince? Lee, L-E-E. Vince Lee Miller. <laughs> Inmate number 10952. <laughs> Just released, yeah. yeah it does. It's good so, to be here, man. It sounds a little bit like it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, a little <laughs> sorry, scary. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> That's okay. It, just it struck happens. me like, yeah, all right. Let's <laughs> jump back into John chapter 4. We're through 10 verses. Let's pick it up. Yeah, so I, you know, just recapping a little bit of the conversation, it is so much fun to watch Jesus interact with people, right? Because I think we learn how to have spiritual conversations. We learn about his character. We learn how how we can have meaningful interactions with people maybe that don't know Christ, and this is one of those moments. And specifically the fact that Jesus is having a conversation with a woman should be utterly shocking. I know it's probably not shocking to us today because I could talk to Rosie right here, but uh, for Jesus to talk to a 
a woman in his day was actually quite shocking. Uh, even Jewish men didn't talk to their wives in public. So this is pretty. Uh, this is a pretty shocking yeah. moment, right? You know, something I just learned in this hour, something I've never thought of before. Um, Jesus was hot and tired, and yet he's still willing to have a conversation. You know, when you're hot and tired, are you you want to talk? You're on a plane, you're hot and tired? Yeah, no. Are you going to talk to anybody? I just put my earbuds in. Please <laughs> right. don't bother me, right? right? You've checked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. So he's hot and tired, yet he's still willing to, to talk and engage. Yeah, I know. I've With never anybody. had that thought before. Yeah, no. it is pretty cool. That's that's our God, right? Anytime, yeah, any place, anywhere, even by this well. So what happens next is... Uh, Jesus uh, points to this water and says, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. So now he's beginning to describe the fact that uh, there's this thirst that everybody has. And I, I like that she doesn't pick up on it because Jesus is referring to a spiritual thirst. She thinks she's talking about a natural thirst, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. And this is this continues to be the narrative all the way through the book of John. Jesus th- says things spiritually. People only hear them naturally. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens to us more often than we realize. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's the signal that he's talking about spiritual things, eternal life. The woman said, give me this water. So now she knows she wants the water. Like Jesus understands she actually wants the water. Her problem is she thinks I want this water because I don't want to be thirsty ever again, and I don't want to come here to draw water, which is an interesting thing because, now, this is speculation. So I'm really careful about speculation, but many people have said this many times before. I've heard it from a few theologians even, that this woman is coming by herself at the hottest part of the day when no one else came out to wells to draw water. They came, women came in the morning and in the evening when it was cool and the water was cool so they could dip their bucket in the well and draw out water and be with other women. So this mm-hmm. woman is coming at the heat of the day, the worst time of the day, and is coming by herself. So Jesus clearly knows there's something unique about this woman. And she's probably, as we're going to see, ashamed, ridden with sin, and she is thirsty, but she's thirsty for something else because she doesn't want to come out there to draw water ever again. Now, is it because she's tired of drawing water and needs a... Uh, needs plumbing in her home? I don't know. But, you know, clearly she's exhausted by this effort of coming by herself when everybody else comes with other people. Then Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, I kind of like that Jesus opens a wound here. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's kind of actually more tender, I think, than we kind of imagine it because he's obviously going to point out her sin, but tells her, hey, go call your husband and come here. And this is the moment that he kind of opens the wound a little bit to see where she's at spiritually and see how she answers. And Jesus, of course, knows how she's going to answer, but he asks the question to see how she responds. Is she going to be callous to spiritual things? Because she clearly hasn't understood so far. So is she going to respond with a sense of softness, right? So then the woman answered him, I have no husband, which by the way is a a very like maybe a quarter confession, <laughs> maybe a one sixth confession, as we're going to see in a second. She says, "I have no husband." Jesus says to her, "You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true." So what Jesus is saying is that, in a very PC way, in this text, you know, you're a fornicator, 
right? That's kind of how he looks at the situation. Now, mm-hmm. we've gone from a soft, very soft cell, trying to see where she stands spiritually, to kind of opening up the wound. She makes a one-sixth confession, I have no husband. And now Jesus says, you know, I know kind of quite a bit about you, by the way. Uh, you have a number of men in your life. And the guy you're with right now, by the way, isn't your husband. I actually really like it that Jesus goes after that. She's trying to draw meaning from men in relationships. Yeah. She's empty. Yeah. Is what she is. Yeah. She's thirsty. Very. You know, she's thirsty and she's trying to find her fulfillment and maybe relationship and meaning and significance from other men. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's in the work that she's doing or not doing or, you know, whatever it is, Jesus knows that she has has a thirst. And then all of a sudden we see that maybe there's some openness in her. She says in verse 19, the woman says to him, sir, I perceive, you see, she calls him sir there. I love that. That's great. (laughs) Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, which is interesting. So now she's kind of like, okay, this is no ordinary guy, right? She's starting to see like, there's something unique about this man. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Now this is super interesting. Okay. Because this is their place of worship for these Samaritans. Whereas for Jews, it's in Jerusalem, right? So he says, our father, she says, our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is the place where uh, people ought to worship. Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you will worship the father. In other words, uh, I'm not really worried about where we're going to worship right now. We actually are about to experience it right here. This is the moment right here. And, uh, Clearly what has happened over time, over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years is, you're going to see Jesus explain this, is that uh, Samaritans have taken God's word, manipulated it. It's kind of become, in their day, kind of woke religion that is really, I would say, very much uh, not what the Jews intended. And therefore, there's this tension and this separation between these two uh, these two faiths, so to speak, that are really trying to figure out how to worship the same God. Mm-hmm. Yet she is so distant from the reasons why there was a separation from it. She is blindly accepted, and now she's she's preaching back to Jesus, really, like what her supposed beliefs are. And Jesus is going to take a moment to correct her and help her to understand, which is actually quite beautiful. Uh, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. And he makes that declaration because it's not from the Samaritans, right? It's not from Mount Gerizim. It's from God from the Jews mm-hmm. and Jesus is clearly the salvation who's sitting right there, which is kind of laughable. You know, Jesus is kind of saying, Hey, I'm setting you up to know I'm sitting right here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. And he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. And actually he's seeking her. Like, that's what he's doing. He's like seeking her. Isn't it cunning? He's like kind of trying to persuade her right now. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And a woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. (laughs) He was called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus says, I am. Which is so good. (laughs) He drops the mic. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture. (laughs) 
Really? Oh, I, I just love that moment. Why I do you, just, why do you like that moment? Because it's, she is so confident. I know, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. So when he comes, don't worry, he'll explain everything to us when he comes. <laughs> and Jesus goes, you know, I, the one that's speaking to you, I am he. Yeah, I think that's a pretty spectacular yeah, moment. It is. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, but we come back. And I'm, I'm, I marvel, Vince, that in this passage so far, she's already referred to him by three different names. Started off with Jew, then went to Sir, then went to Prophet. We come back, we're going to find out where she went from there. It's pretty there fascinating. Our guest is Vince Miller. And Vince uh, can be discovered at beresolute.org. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It is a good day to have a good day. And we're having a good day here at Faith Radio. I have Vince Miller in studio. We're talking about John chapter 4 in the, in the words of Jesus. We call this the... The Red Letter series. We've been at it for a while, and it's been fantastic. And if you have your Bibles open, John chapter 4, it's the Samaritan woman at the well. If you missed any of this, I highly recommend going, checking out the podcast at myfaithradio.com. All right, so we just, before we went to break, we ended up at verse 26, where the woman said, "I, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And that really drop mic moment, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And what an amazing moment that must have been. Just love it. I kind of wish there was a little bit more surrounding this, telling us how she responded. Did she jump out and embrace him? Like, you know, kind of like, and what's going on in her head right at that moment? Oh, I finally get it. All this stuff you've been telling me about living water. I know. The Messiah and worshiping in spirit and truth. Okay, I understand now, but we don't know that she necessarily understands that, except from what happens a little bit next, right? Mm -hmm. So there's your lead in verse 27. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. How about that? So this is classic, you know, judgmental boys following Jesus. Right? They just kind of, they misunderstand what's going on, right? And we, we see this happen in, in religion and Christianity all the time where, you know, maybe we're, something spiritual has just transpired, but someone steals the thunder away from it by by only seeing the, the natural. And here we see the disciples are stuck in the same thing. They're stuck in the gender thing, the, the race thing, the religion thing, but they don't realize the dialogue that's just happened. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So they are afraid to actually engage around the conversation. Mm-hmm. They're scared to death, which is just laughable. This is this is guys afraid to have ask spiritual questions right here. I work with men, so you know, I just I know this is truth. We're just we're afraid to push into the dialogue. So and this is my favorite moment, Bill, right here. This is great. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. Isn't that great? Like she that tells us that she actually <laughs> understood why she was there. Like she understood the living water piece. She finally made the connection. Mm-hmm. That the water I need, Jesus is satisfied. And she's satisfied enough that she leaves and go, goes back into town. And as we see, the the town is going to erupt with excitement. At least some people in the town are going to erupt with excitement that the Messiah 
is here. So she leaves her water jar, went into the town. Instead of the people come and see a man who told me all that I ever did, can this be the Christ, obviously the Messiah? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So now we got not just one Samaritan woman. We've got a bunch of Samaritans hanging out with Jews. The boys are probably a little bit confused right now about what's mm-hmm. going on. And uh, Jesus is hot and tired, and he still doesn't have any water. <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's kind of laughable. So... Uh, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And I don't know, Rosie Bill, if you guys feel this way, but there are times that I'm doing ministry where I do forget to eat because I'm so full from the nature of the spiritual moment. And I kind of wonder if Jesus felt that way right mm-hmm. then at that moment, just as his natural desires dissipated and spiritual fullness took over. And I think that happens to us once in a while. I mean, if this happened to me, I'd be so full of life at mm-hmm. the moment. I would have forgotten about my physical needs, right? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes a harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. And... All of a sudden, we realize that there's this this realization in Jesus' eyes that there's a whole countryside in a region of Samaria that is fertile, which is so funny because he just left being with Pharisees and Sadducees. He just left being in a countryside that, to some degree, rejected him, Mm -hmm. and now he's going into a region that Jews never went, and it's fertile. He sees it's fertile for harvest. Already the one who reaps, it reads in verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I... I really like this moment. Here's here's why I like it. Jesus is explaining that we're all a part of a massive harvest that God is overseeing because God is the one who plants, who provides the soil, the growth, the seed, but we're all laborers in this field together. And every once in a while, we get to experience the moment like Jesus experienced with this woman, but we're each playing a role in that, mm-hmm. right? We're each playing a role It's not my job to necessarily bring someone to salvation. It's my job to do what God has called me to do in that moment and to be faithful with the message at that moment and deliver that message. And that's what I love about this whole dialogue here. That's why I chose John 4 is it's so beautiful for us who are Christians to know and to understand that it's our job to help people make the connection from the natural to the supernatural connect the dots and that we play a role in the harvest, just a small role. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, sometimes we harvest, and it doesn't really matter if someone else gets to enjoy the harvest. We just play a role and there's many laborers in the process because really Jesus is responsible for the whole mess anyway, Mm -hmm. right? So anyway, I love that section. Yeah. And Vince, I love this moment too, in verse 28, then leaving her water jar. So she's leaving with the one thing she came to do was to go get water and she's leaving without water. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she left the water jar there. 
and went back to the town to tell the people, come see the man. So she's already doing evangelism. She's already going out and telling everyone she can to come see this man. And I think, do we have that same kind of enthusiasm? Do we? I know, exactly. I think initially most of us do. And sometimes we get burdened by the world, the Mm -hmm. things and the cares of the world, which is where the story began, right? We're, We're at the beginning of the story. We're burdened by the cares of the world. We're burdened by things that are temporal, that are natural, that are physical, and when we become too burdened with them, we can't see the spiritual connection. You know, mm-hmm. I have to, I, I sometimes, just to make this whole thing really practical, I think we should start the day with prayer and ask God to give us the awareness of the spiritual needs around us. Just to start paying attention to what God is doing around us and help people make those connections. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that I can do that is by praying that God would inc- would increase my spiritual awareness and make me more attentive as I go throughout my day and be less concerned about how fast I'm getting to work, right? Be less concerned about what I'm trying to accomplish in my meetings. Be less concerned about my needs to let down when I come home. Be less concerned about my own private time and pay more attention to maybe what God is doing on the way to work, as I'm driving to work, what God is doing in the midst of the meeting where I'm trying to accomplish something, maybe Mm -hmm. there's a a spiritual need there. Or maybe when I come home, instead of being so concerned about my needs or my kids' needs, maybe I pay attention to their spiritual needs before mine. And that's really what Jesus is doing in this context here. He is turned, he's really turned off. He has turned off the physical so much so that he's not hungry. You see that here? He's turned it off so much so that he's not even hungry anymore. He sees a different harvest. And I believe if followers turned off the natural senses and turned on the spiritual senses, we could help other people make those connections and they would get just as excited about it mm-hmm. as maybe we are right now reading this text because it's so cool to see this moment. Yeah. But you only see it if you pay attention, you pray that God would reveal it to you and then you act on it. And then once you see someone make that connection, you get pretty fired up about it. They do too. And then they start acting on it. But mm-hmm. if we just look at this world as natural... And we make our trip to work every day and our meetings at work and our trip back home and the meals at home and the interactions at home all natural, then maybe we're missing a lot of spiritual opportunities that God is giving us all the time. I, I, I'm, I'm incredibly aware of this right now, especially with my children who have left the house. Like every time, I'm, I don't have any kids at home anymore, but every time I talk to one of my three kids and my son-in-law, I'm always thinking every time I talk to them, how can I help them make a spiritual connect? Every single time I'm thinking mm-hmm. about that. Every conversation, every moment, because I know those moments are so few and far between that right now I have to help them make that connection. So I'm listening to every word they say. And when they're talking about maybe uh, seeking out that next uh, that next career, I'm helping them make a spiritual connection right there to their search for that next career. Or they're facing the next challenge, I'm thinking about, and I, th- I think actually think about it more today because I'm just more sensitive to it. But we should be doing that all the time, mm-hmm. regardless of our, our kids are in and out of the house True. or not, right? Yeah. And that's really what Jesus is here. He's so full of what is spiritual the natural senses seem to have dissipated. I love away, that. Right? Yeah. And my, my point about her leaving her water jar and going back to the town and blabbing to everybody <laughs> she could that would listen to her is such a powerful and important reminder for all of us. I mean, here she just had discovered Jesus and she couldn't wait to tell others about him. And this is kind of a, a, a silly illustration, but if you are in coach towards the back 
and the flight attendant comes up and says, you know, it's only an hour flight. I can move you up to first class. There's an open seat. Would you like to take it? And you say, sure. And you move up to first class and you're seated next to Tom Brady for an hour flight. How often do you, Vince Miller, bring up to anyone you talk to about your flight next to Tom Brady? I have a feeling you bring it up to everybody. Yeah, every, you figure out that's a way happened to, to me so many times. <laughs> yeah, you probably figure out a way to weave it into practically every conversation, every talk you've got. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's so impressionable, and, and the impression of Jesus Christ is so far greater. Right. Uh, that's what I mean. Yeah, right, exactly. So we should be excited about talking about it, and I, I think that... Uh, we just got to muster the courage to understand that things of a spiritual nature are far more important than that. Those things of a natural nature. That's, I think that's why the woman left the jar. It's just, yeah. she didn't care about it anymore. Yeah. Like it didn't really matter. Right. Yeah. What mattered is the Messiah was here who we've always, the, the man that we've always talked about. Look, I met him. Yeah. And the funny thing is he's actually on their mountain, which is kind of laughable when you think about it at their well, at their country. And she is there and she wants everybody to know about it. I love that. That fresh enthusiasm, it gets it's me the excited. Best. It is. Yeah, it does it me is. too. And I, I ask, do we have that fresh enthusiasm as, mm-hmm. as believers who have followed Christ for a lot of years? How do we get that back? Well, you know, it actually says in the text how to get it back. Well, Jesus, let's, let's get to it. Jesus text. Actually, we've already talked about it. It's kind of there. Jesus well, kind of review. The, yeah, I got these calluses. You can see on my hand here. You know, I have calluses on my hand, and and Jesus kind of takes a little scalpel. And and you know, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but uh, I have a friend who used to be a, a pitching coach in. Uh, the major leagues, and one of the things he would do as a therapist is he would take the pitchers and he would remove the calluses from their index finger and middle finger, literally take a razor and remove it. And the reason why you do that is it would create feeling in that first finger and middle finger so they could actually feel the ball again. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus does that here. He removes the calluses. Here's how he does it. He says, hey, go get your husband. He says, go get your husband. Because what he's doing there is creating spiritual sensitivity again. She's mm-hmm. not sensitive, right? She doesn't get it. She doesn't understand what's going on. Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband, which is a half confession, right? Then he says, you're right, you don't. You've got five. And the one you don't have, the one you have right now isn't your husband. And what he's doing is he's he's creating the sensitivity again so that she will hear and listen. And that's, I think, what needs to happen in our lives when we're not this emphatic about Jesus Christ is we need to get those calluses off there. We need to get that natural nature. We need to scrape away that natural nature and become sensitive to the excitement, enthusiasm. Jesus says mm-hmm. it to his guys. He's even tr- using this as a teachable moment to his guys. He's saying, he's saying, look, can't you see how ripe the harvest is? Look at all these people that this woman has here. Like she went to town and went crazy. Right. Like, this is our harvest. This is why we came here. This is why I dragged you onto forbidden land to talk to forbidden people to preach a, a, a daring, bold, new, fresh gospel. Watch what I'm doing. The harvest, it's here. I'm not hungry. You shouldn't be hungry either. Look at what we got. There's the, mm-hmm. It's all right here. The plate, the platter is set. The meal is set. Let's eat and enjoy. And uh, I think that's really what needs to happen in believers is we need to get a fresh wind and a fresh fire around what, what is happening right here, and the only way to do it is to remove those tough calluses we have in our life. I like that. Great illustration, Vince. Vince Miller's my guest. We're going to take a little break, and we come back. More John chapter 4. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute.
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome back to the show. I have Vince Miller in studio. We're talking about John chapter 4 in the in the words of Jesus. We call this the, the Red Letter Series. We've been at it for a while, and it's been fantastic. Vince, we only have t- 10 minutes left or so. I think we got, what, about six, seven verses left to go? Yeah, this is right here at the end. I, I love it. Thir- 39 reads, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. There you go. Now, how about that? Powerful. Yeah, just totally yeah. cool, yeah. right? yep. Unreached people group right there. Yes. Uh, it's because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. How about that? You stay there two days. Wow. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed, there's your last title, the Savior of the world. Hmm. How about that? Amazing. It's, a, it's just a great ending to an incredible, I think, interaction of like, look, it, it, you know, although there was a lot of division, a lot of animosity, a lot of confusion about where to worship, about, you know, maybe how how to do things within the law, it all comes down to Jesus right here, you know, the Savior, that there's going to be someone who saves us. He's going to save us from our sin He's going to save us from our unholiness. And now they're sitting in the presence, like because of this one woman who dropped her water jar and came back to town. Mm-hmm. So glad she went back to town, by the way, which is, it, it seems rather impulsive of her almost. She just goes back to town and then comes back. Now a whole city, it appears, which by the way, is named Drunken. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> that. This is sick card. This, this is a city full of uh, drunkenness, you know. Mm-hmm. And now these people are all coming coming out, and they're they're desperate for salvation. And now they get to hear directly from the Savior, which is interesting because in the story of John, this this is some of the first salvations that we hear about right here, other than Jesus's followers and mm-hmm. a little conversation with Nicodemus at night. This is the next occurrence. And uh, it kind of blows me away. I don't know about you guys, but I, I love this moment. So praise God that a woman responded to the gospel. Yeah, it's a, really a, one of my most loved passages in Scripture because it it is one of the longest conversations Jesus has with anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is John chapter 4, the talk with a Samaritan woman. And it has so uh, so many obstacles in it that... Mm-hmm. Jesus navigates through so beautifully. Yeah, I love I love Jesus that he's he's willing to overcome those obstacles for me because I'm going to just relate this in a very personal way now. I think Jesus is willing willing to do anything short of sin, of course, mm-hmm. to rescue lost people. Which, by the way, we know that because you can read ahead in future stories. He's willing to do that, right? He's going to do it time and time again. And I think there's people out there today who probably feel just like the Samaritan woman felt, who maybe they're, they don't really understand Jesus. Maybe they've been confused about who he is. Maybe they've been concerned about heading back into church or concerned about relationships or concerned about sin in their life. 
They know they long for something, and Jesus is the one that makes the connection for all of us. He is what is spiritual that has come down into nature, made himself flesh, walked with us, and through him, the living word, the living water, we can receive life. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this is Jesus wants to reach into time and space to save us. And then he makes a beeline onto a piece of land to people who were religiously opposed to his own race and religion and saved people that were willing to step in to an understanding of who he was. And I really believe there's people out there today who want to make that decision right now simply by just believing and having faith that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. You can right now in your car, in your home, or wherever you're sitting begin a first-time relationship with the Savior of the world who is willing to heal, forgive, love, and bring you to a full understanding of who he is and be water and life to you. And you can begin worshiping him right now where you're at. Isn't that Mm -hmm. cool? It is. That's the offer. The most important day in your life. Mm -hmm. If you decide that, yes, I want to place my faith and my trust in Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And the great part about it is he will separate us from our sin forever. Mm-hmm. He calls us holy and loved children of his. We become children of God in a great family. And then he calls us to be obedient. And that's where the that's where the nature of all this gets really fun. Then we're called to be in relationship with other believers, attend a church, worship him on a weekly, regular basis, live out our faith in our neighborhood. And that's a uh, that's what I love about this woman here. She just immediately starts doing what is very natural for any believer. She goes mm-hmm. out and starts talking about it and sharing about it and worshiping the Christ who has settled in her place right there with her. So, you know, I was thinking of her going to the well at noon, maybe because she was feeling shameful because of her lifestyle. Maybe she didn't fit in with the other ladies. Maybe um, she was kicked to the curb by the community. So she's there by herself. Now she's going back into town blabbing away. And I'm wondering if they're looking at her going, oh, it's her. And yet she's bringing this good news and changing the town. Yeah. Isn't it great? It is fantastic. Yeah. We can live as changed creatures just because Christ did something supernatural and spiritual in us. And uh, he redeems what is broken in this life, whether it be our image or our identity or past or sin, he can redeem it all. And we could walk free from the bondage of all that weight and burden and abandonment and sin and pain and rejection. And uh, I'm sure that she's going to make some more trips to the well because she's going to get thirsty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Natural thirst, of course, but maybe she'll make it again with some trips with some other women to the well. I'm excited to learn more about this story, probably in heaven, when you connect some dots when Jesus says, yeah, you've been married five times. The man you're living with right now is not your husband. And later in verse 39, she says, Uh, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. I mean, how much conversation did they have? (laughs) I kind of wonder, don't you? Well, yeah. Yeah. Because he probably offered some more detail that wasn't recorded. Yeah, could be. For her to make that statement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. God's cool. He loves us anyway, right? (laughs) Yeah, he really is. Yeah. 
I, I love this story. And Vince, I think we, uh, we've mined a lot of gold in this because, again, if you just joined us, we're talking about John chapter 4. And if you missed any of this, I do recommend going and hearing it from the beginning at MyFaithRadio.com. I love the, the progression of this Samaritan woman encountering Jesus, calling him a Jew, then referring to him as sir, then saying, huh, you must be a prophet. And then at the end, he's the savior of the world, the Messiah. And in one conversation, all that happens. So if you have been wondering about Jesus, uh, the Samaritan woman sorted it out in one conversation. So in the course of this hour, I hope you have heard everything you need to hear to understand that Jesus came to die for your sins and to give you life and life everlasting. And by believing in him, and in his name, you will be adopted into his family and saved. Yeah. So wonderful. Yeah. That's all I got. Vince. Drop the mic right there. Drop, <laughs> Drop the mic. Rosie said we got two more minutes. Oh, there so. we go. Okay. Yeah. So what, rock, paper, scissors? What yeah, do you want to exactly. do for two minutes? I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really, I was really excited to hear that you had one of your favorite verses in here. And I love the progression that actually you painted there, Bill, of this progression of her understanding who Jesus is. But it does come down to that personal decision. We have to decide what we believe yes. about Jesus. And uh, I really believe that all nature is crying out to us that we're seeking satisfaction. We're seeking joy and fulfillment. And the things of this life are not going to give you the satisfaction you want, I promise you. Your job, relationships, uh, work, money, possessions, it doesn't really matter what it is. None of those things are going to give you fulfillment. The only thing that provides fulfillment is the God who actually can provide satisfaction through Jesus. That's it. Yep. Nothing else. Yep. And I think that's where the story takes That is today. a great concluding statement. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Okay. Vince Miller has been my guest. You can learn more about Vince at beresolute.org. That's B-E-R-E-S-O-L-U-T-E. Hey, I don't know if you've downloaded the Faith Radio app. Go to your app store and check it out. I have to say it's a... It's a beautiful app. I've got mine on my iPhone. And uh, when you download it, you just can't believe how pretty it is. And you open it up, and it's uh, very easy to navigate your way through it. And you can listen to Faith Radio Live, or you can just uh, check out the podcast. It doesn't matter where you go. You can download if you've got that Faith Radio app. So give it a try. And if you don't like it, you know, it's easy just to delete it off your phone. But I'm pretty sure you'll keep it. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.